1: Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team in Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks.
0: Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. Manifestfit.com is your one, only, true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs, specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the US, and what makes Blake and Manifestfit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start, head over to Manifestfit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life.
2: something happening here What it
1: is ain't exactly Hello everybody. Clear. Welcome to episode 86 of Real Hawk I've Talk. This is Brian Nemhauser ad hoc blogger on Twitter and <laughs> we've got some fun in store tonight. To it is children, the second pod of the week. It's a double down. pod worthy week for sure with the NFC West division title on the line. Against the hated, the annoying, the
0: faithful, disrespectful. The disrespectful cool. well, certainly
1: the trashy douchey. Like there's a lot of other words we could use. 49ers. Is this but- how you're
0: introducing me?
2: <laughs>
1: Welcome, Nathan. <laughs> this isn't as nice as I usually get. Yeah, well, you're late, and that's what that's what you get. You get what you get and you yeah. don't throw a fit there they So um Yeah. As you heard there, we've got, we've got our intrepid crew. We've got uh, Nathan Ernst at Nathan E 11 on Twitter joining in. uh, We've got Evan Hill at Evan Hill. uh, Sorry. Is it Evan Hill S E A? Yes. On Twitter. And we've got Jeff Simmons. The, the, you know, I listened back a little bit to our pod on, on from Tuesday was it Tuesday. I think it was. Uh, maybe it was Monday. Monday night because Tuesday. Yeah, it was Christmas Monday. It was Monday, right? Um, Jeff sounded pretty down. I have to say, Jeff sounded pretty down. Um, at real Jeff Simmons on Twitter, Jeff, have you have you recovered it all? Or are you still like kind of down in the dumps? Do we need to like lift you up a little bit?
3: Uh, yeah, I still am a little bit. Uh, the last game really did a number on me. It just felt like the bottom falling out. The Marshawn news has been a great change for me kind of keep my mind off it but i was definitely reeling after the game that felt just like the bottom coming out of the season i'm getting more excited as we get closer but i'm still just very uncomfortable about
0: this game
1: yeah well you you should be dude it's a pretty uncomfortable (laughs) game um uh you know we'll we'll talk we'll we'll try to like help you through that today and and yeah i've seen i've seen that around twitter people are like Trying to find on Seahawks, the Seahawks side, trying to find reason to believe and trying to be optimistic. And uh, it's understandable. But I think we'll definitely, that's one of the first things we're going to talk about today. Um, Nathan, welcome in, dude. Uh, you know, I'm curious, you know, you were one of the more excited folks about the Marshawn Lynch signing on Monday on the show. How are you feeling a few days later?
2: Uh, great, yeah. Uh, I, I went to a couple family uh, events with you know for Christmas and Christmas Eve and all that. I had uh, you know a couple imp- uncles try to give me crap about it, jokes about Marshawn and a Walker. Uh, and you know, first of all, Marshawn was playing well like a year ago, so like we can talk about that. But also, you can't hurt me. Marshawn's back. He's gonna be wearing twenty four in a Seahawks jersey in CenturyLink against the Niners. I feel great. Yeah. See Jeff, you listen into
1: that? I mean that that's that's the thing here, right? Like Marshawn is going to suit up at home for the division title against uh the 49ers and he's not going to have to do very much to to make it worth it, you know. A couple broken tackles here and there, maybe sneaks in for a touchdown somehow. Like it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Listen, I can't be more excited about Marshawn I don't know if I believe you. I think you could be more excited.
3: I could be. I just, <laughs> but then I was there. I was. I'm still. I am super excited for Marshawn. But just seeing that injury report for the offensive line today just brought me back
1: down to like threat. I, I feel like we need the the Debbie Downer sound effect for Jeff. Um, you know, wah wah. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I've become. I'm just giving you shit, dude. It's
3: not. I know it's not me. Just the Marshawn stuff is really spiced up this week though it's like made following the practices a lot more fun and all the stuff like even like a boring russell press conference was a lot more interesting today um uh, yeah it's i'm definitely excited about Marshawn this game if they didn't sign him i would be so down on this game yeah and now i'm definitely excited about it so that's like well, huge... I mean,
1: let's talk about it for a second because i think i think a lot of people are exactly where you are and i, I mean you know we know each other well enough. I can give you, I can hassle you, but oh, like, go ahead, go ahead. But, you know, a lot of folks are feeling pretty pessimistic about the Seahawks chance in this game. Um, you know, let's, I, I want to spend a little bit of time today talking about where are the places where the 49ers have their biggest advantages? Like, let's, let's, let's go there. Let's talk about where the 49ers have their biggest advantages and where we're most concerned. And we're going to spend some time talking about where the Seahawks have their biggest advantages. And, you know, I think people need to have some idea of a vision of I think they can think, think of a lot of ways of how Seahawks could lose this game. I don't think they have a very clear idea about how the Seahawks could win. So let's start with some of the, the, the downer, but, but also reality stuff <laughs> about where the Seahawks are. And you brought up the injury report, Jeff talk about. It. We, it. Basically, it seems like every offensive lineman is either out of this game or hurt for the Seahawks. So what did you see on the injury report today?
3: Yeah, and the biggest reason I imagine most of us were down on, on Sunday wasn't the lost Arizona. It was just the injury status of the team, just how many important players were out. And then today, you saw again, uh, I think Joey Hunt didn't practice. Uh, IU Patty didn't practice with a neck. And then uh, even Posick and Jamarco Jones, they didn't really practice either. So, is, I guess, Fluker's the only healthy offensive lineman right now? And yeah.
0: Evan? Sorry, I have to jump in real quick here. Um, the matchup I'm worried about this coming Sunday, Sunday Night Football, is Nick Bosa on Jamarco Jones. Dwayne Brown is obviously out this week due to that knee cleanup surgery that he had on monday literally three or four days ago pete carroll said uh he'll be back in one to two weeks so you know potentially for a divisional round matchup is is a shot for his return but we saw what chandler jones did to jamarco jones last sunday did you guys all see that were you guys watching i don't know what you're talking about you don't know what you're you're talking about from my memory The Seahawks didn't play a football game on Sunday. I forgot. We just—it was another bye week. Um, That's true, though. They did not play a football game. On Sunday.
3: Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> I, I definitely agree with that.
0: <laughs> um, we saw what Chandler Jones did. Russell Wilson is tied for the most sacked quarterback in the NFL at forty-seven sacks. Nick Bosa is probably the defensive. Uh, rookie of the year he's an absolute stud he's he's what everybody expected him to be coming out of college truly an elite pass rusher um and Jamarco Jones is going to struggle it's just a matter of is he going to struggle so badly that it completely renders this offense inept like they did against the Cardinals so um sorry to jump in real quick but that's oh, the, I love that's it the, I love it
1: because look I- I mean, if if there was two things different about this game, I would feel differently about confidence level. Like, Dwayne Brown, number one. I think you hit on that, Evan. Like, that, that more than the loss, more than the Chris Carson injury. When I heard Dwayne Brown was out for a while, that one was like, uh uh-oh. Like, that is going to be tough. And then the other is – Jadavian Clowney, if, if those two things were different, Clowney's going to play, but he's not going to be fully healthy. If, if Clowney was fully healthy and Dwayne Brown was playing, just those two changes, I would feel very differently about the game. Um, and and those two things aren't real. <laughs> Brown's not playing and Clowney's going to play, but he's going to play with an injury that's not going to get better. Um, probably until he has surgery or at least until he does something in the offseason. So you know we'll get back to clowny a little bit later cuz i have some reason to be hopeful there but but um those are big deals and and just to be really accurate you know uh, jeff you talked about some of the guys in the injury situation so yupati um did sit out he participated in practice yesterday he was a uh, no sorry he didn't yesterday and he didn't today so he's been out both times with the neck wouldn't surprise me if they end up needing to play someone else at guard and I'll be honest like you potty's been a big part of the run part of the run game a lot of the big run plays he's been a pulling guard on and cleared space for but you no know, maybe this is where Phil Haynes gets a little run oh no it happens you know maybe there's something better I don't know but um no seriously so so um the other guys from the uh offensive line perspective Joey Hunt actually um, did not practice yesterday but he did practice today so he was limited today yesterday he, he was not you know did not participate and then that um yeah, Jermaine Fetti went from a full participant on Wednesday to limited today so he went down downgrade <laughs> Ethan Posick went from full to limited so he also went downgrading. He would likely be the first guy to replace Yupati, And he's got, Upati, uh Posick has got listed a core injury. Not good. Um, and then uh, Jamarco Jones went from not being listed on the Wednesday report to being limited with a shoulder today. Um, George Fant. <laughs> Uh, Has been a full participant both days, but he is listed on the injury report with a knee. So Dwayne Brown's out. Upati is tracking toward being out, but we don't know. We'll see. Um, Justin Britt's already out. So that's left tackle, left guard, center. Not good. Um, Your backup center, Joey Hunt, is listed with a fibula. I don't know, like, what's... Is that just a bruise? Like, how do you have a fibula and not have, like, the out? I don't, like, fibula is generally are broken. Maybe it's a bone bruise. I don't know. Um, and if fetty has got this knee injury, you know, I'd assume if Fetty's going to play. And Posick Posek and Jamarco Jones. So, basically, your left tackle, your left guard, your center are out. Most likely. Um, your backup left tackle is limited. Your third string left tackle is listed as injured but practicing your second string left guard is limited so we were i was kind of tongue-in-cheek but phil haynes might play (laughs) that might happen so So now you understand my state of mind don't you oh i absolutely (laughs) it's not that's not hard that is not hard to come up with why the 49ers should win this game i mean and Jokes aside, is anybody on here think that the Seahawks should be favored to win this game?
0: Of course not.
2: Favored? No.
1: Favored. Nathan?
2: No, of course not. No, but Evan, you are picking them to win, right?
0: Of course. I absolutely am.
2: <laughs> there okay. has been some top
1: in, talk in the group chat about, like, certainty about winning. So, like, there's some confidence brewing there. Not
3: uh, yet. I've uh, talked my
0: I've talked myself into it at this point.
3: This this like weirdly is the game that P. Carroll's teams win
0: somehow, though. It 100 percent is. All the odds are stacked against them. They are decimated on in, you know, on the injury front. Every other man is out there missing some key defensive and offensive starters. And somehow they lose to the Cardinals and they're going to beat the 49ers this week. It's just the prophecy. Are there games like
2: this before that they've won? Like,
3: there's a couple I can think of. These are just random callouts. A couple of years ago, like the, I think it was 2017, they like played the Eagles on Sunday Night Football, and they were totally decimated that year. By that point, that, that was the Eagles team that won the Super Bowl, and it was at home. And like Byron Maxwell came back, and he had started a corner, had like the game of his life, and they somehow won that game with like Mike Davis at running back. That Eagles team won the Super Bowl like five weeks later. That's really – and then there's the Marshawn run game. That's really the only two I can think of.
1: Well, I did tweet out that this, you know, from a – if you're looking purely at Vegas odds, there have been four times in the Pete Carroll era, two of which happened before Russell Wilson, where they have been three-point underdogs or greater in a primetime matchup at home, okay? Just to make sure everyone gets that. Primetime game, at home, underdog by three points or more. That's what this game is uh, currently. I think it's a three-point advantage for the 49ers. In those four games, the Seahawks are 4-0. Not just covered the spread, but they've won every single one of those games.
2: So what are those games? I assume the Saints playoff game is in there?
1: I should have been ready to answer that question. If you guys talk for a second, I will pull them up.
2: <laughs> One of them I would, was I would like guess, Eagles uh... in 2018.
1: Sure. If sure. got a, a phone on a table, could you move it? Because it's vibrating. Um, put on something soft. Uh, but yeah, I think it was the Eagles in 2018 or 17. I think right? that was the game I was just talking about. Yeah. Yep. So... Prime time, home, Uh, point spread is greater than or equal to three. And the date. Okay, let's see if I got this right. Oops, I don't think I picked the Seahawks. All right, hold on. The Chiefs
0: game
3: last year? Who was favored in that Chiefs game last year? Uh,
2: Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That might have been one. Um, Hold on. Are you taking the PFR quiz?
1: Oh my God, that's stupid surveys.
2: <laughs> Which oh. of these services have you heard of? SeatGeek, Venue Kings.
1: I I am the quickest Daniel. skip survey clicker in the West at this point. <laughs> um. All right. Here are the four games. 2017 against the Philadelphia Eagles. Um. And by the way, the Eagles came into that game
2: ten and one.
1: Eagles. Were well, t- what was the spread on it? What's that?
2: Were they like a touchdown favorite or what?
1: They were three and a half point favorites. Oh, okay. Um, The Green Bay Packers in 2012. This was a game that some of you may remember. Um, They were three and a half point favorites. They lost by a score of 14 to 12. Does that sound familiar? This is the fail Mary, correct? This was... I didn't think anything failed. Uh, I think Russell Wilson threw a touchdown to Golden Tate. To win the game,
2: um, they called an the interception a touchdown. That was a small failure on the part of the refs. But. It, 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 yeah, I,
1: I think the fact that that people call it a fail, Mary, is what the failure is. It, it was a touchdown. That that is that is what the record says. So, um, and then 2011, also against the Eagles, uh, three point uh, underdogs. They won that game, 31 to 14. Um,
3: so that would have
2: been the Eagles, the dream team. Yeah, like. That was Vince Young. Vince Young, it's backup quarterback. And TJ Marshawn went off in that game, I think. Yes.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, Vince Young actually played in that game. Um, he had one That's touchdown and four interceptions. And Tavares Jackson uh, had a beautiful game 13 of 16 for 190 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. For 137 rating, and Marshawn Lynch did go off: 22 carries, 148 yards, two touchdowns. Um, and then the last one was 2010 against the then St. Louis Rams, um, where the Seahawks were three-point underdogs, and they won 16 to six. So those are the four games. They've also, if you want to, if you want to go 2012 um, and not forget the prime time even just since Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll have been together, um, there have been five such games where the Seahawks have been underdogs and they have covered in every one of those games and they're four and one in those games. So their only loss was last year to the Rams where the Rams were favored by seven and a half in Seattle and the Seahawks won 33 to 31 with Evan Hill by my side. Evan was broken by that game. I was encouraged by that game.
0: Brian walked out of that stadium like they had just won the Super Bowl. And I was – uh, I don't know about that. You were very excited and optimistic. I was pretty as somebody. optimistic.
1: I, I, uh, I really was expecting a butt kicking, and the Seahawks should have won that game.
0: There's no moral victories in football.
1: Oh, yeah, they're, they're totally
0: – No, there's not. Win or <laughs> loss or tie. <laughs>
1: Uh, you were so not there when they the lost 42-7 so. or whatever it was.
0: That was an ass-kicking. That was uh, one of the worst losses, I feel like, in the past
1: decade. It was, was soul-crushing, that game. That was terrible. Anyway, so, yeah, I mean, you asked, Nathan, if they've had these games before. I, I wouldn't say you can ever say the exact game, but they've had – They've. it's interesting. They've been rarely – this is a pretty rare instance where they are underdogs, at home in a primetime game um so I, evan i mean i think your, your optimism is is well founded right like there are situations where the seahawks are not expected to win and generally in those games that's when they play their best there's another stat i've had the, for the first 49ers game the 49ers i think were favored by six points or something in that game earlier this year mm-hmm. i think the seahawks like under pete carroll have I want to say they've only like lost once when they've been an underdog by six points or more, um, or maybe it's like two times. I mean, they have a really they have a winning record, like a, a clear winning record when they're an underdog by six points or more. So like when people count them out the most, they tend to play better.
0: You know what I consider this game to be? This game is the Jimmy G test. This game is the official Jimmy G legitimacy test. Week seventeen. I'll tell you why. NFC West on the line, Sunday night football, week 17, home playoff game or a wild card spot. Two great teams in the running for for the title, obviously. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo has had his ups and downs throughout the season. The Seahawks' defense is decimated by injuries. Clowney is going to be coming back with 75 to 80%. I mean, that's even maybe, maybe even hopeful from like a percentage of health. Uh, But the 49ers have a pass pro ranked like 15th per football outsiders. So not a great unit, but not a horrible unit right in the middle of the pack. I've I've been, I've been hitting this point home like all year and people are getting sick of me talking about it, but I'm going to keep talking about it. Jimmy Garoppolo, when you pressure him, when you rattle him is not a good quarterback. He cannot handle pressure. He cannot do it. He starts making awful decisions. Something about it. He loses his mind. If the Seahawks are able to generate any sort of consistent pressure to him, Clowney, if he can, if he can, you know, handle that line with, with as healthy as he is, or if you know, freaking um, anybody gets pressure, knocks him off his rocker, hit him a few times, give him a couple licks, this game could be uh, over pretty quick. Could be the only blowout of the Seahawks season. Yep. You heard that right. Potential (laughs) blowout.
1: Well, it's, it's well-timed that you're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo because um, our buddy will uh, at rain city series on Twitter, just posted on our YouTube channel, a fantastic video um, called the chosen one. And it is a uh, it's it's dedicated to Jimmy Garoppolo. So um, I encourage folks that they haven't already um, to take a look at that. Uh, it is um, it's Jimmy in all his glory, um, and and uh, you know I think I think Seahawks fans should really be in awe of of what Jimmy does in that video. So um, look if if you're if you're 49ers, if you're a Seahawks fan, let's start there. Does anyone anyone on this pod feel like if this game comes down to Jimmy Garoppolo that, I guess to put it another way, do we all want this game to come down to Jimmy Garoppolo? If we could pick a guy in the 49ers, is that is that the kind of game we wanna see?
0: If we're looking for the most, most emotionally devastating, heartbreaking way to end Niner fans' hopes and dreams, the answer is yes.
1: Jeff and Nathan?
2: I mean, when you say that it comes down to him, are you talking about like ball in his hand at the end of the game? And Because like I'd rather
1: that that's the player that is going to determine the outcome for the 49ers, that, that it, for example, that it's not that the the 49ers running game is, you know, going really well, like that they've stopped Jimmy Garoppolo passing and then that it's, you know, the 49ers run game that has to beat them or that they've stopped, you know, they've scored a bunch of points. Um, You know, it's basically like, is he the guy that you want to try to beat you? Like, of all the things in the 49ers?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he's got to be their weakest link. Like, they're... I, I mean, it's hard to say because passing is just generally much more efficient than running. And we all know that. But, like, in terms of, like, relative quality of player, I think he's the worst of that team, right? They have, they have a relatively good Russian team uh, uh, offense. They have a a relatively good defense, although that has not really been the case for a few weeks now. Um So yeah, I mean, I think I think he's the guy that like it has to come down to somebody, I guess. Yeah, let it come down to him, and I I don't trust him to to be able to make tight throws, at least. I don't, I don't know if Seattle can force him to make tight throws, but if it ha- if it comes to that, I, I, I'll i take my chances.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jeff, the Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, the more I've been d- digging in and watching him play and watching other games um, and looking at the stats, they built an offense where he doesn't have to do much. He's basically throwing, um, he's throwing a lot of screens. He's throwing a lot of short passes. Um, and he's letting players like Kittle and others, you know, uh, take the ball and run with it. So those happen to be some of the things the Seahawks have struggled with this year. I mean, they've struggled with pretty much everything on defense. If we're being <laughs> honest, but screens, jet sweeps, those kind of things have been trouble problematic for them. And that's a big part of the 49ers offense. So <clears throat> how do you feel about the Seahawks defense ability to, to figure out this, this offense from the 49ers. It's going to
3: be tricky because Quandre Diggs is not likely going to play. I don't, I don't think you, Brian, you mentioned him when you mentioned the two biggest swing factors in this game. I think you had Brown and Clowney. I think Quandre Diggs is a huge part of it. And I saw Nathan talking about this on Twitter today, that the games that Diggs played were like the only good games, the Seahawks defense played all season. And Diggs had the play of the game last time that swung the game really in Seattle's favor when they played San Francisco. So going from him to Delano Hill, that's something that really concerns me. If you need someone to cover tight ends and Bobby Wagner's really struggled in coverage this year, he's allowed more yards than almost, I think any other linebacker in like a decade or something. So that, that worries me a lot, but I do agree with everyone's overall point. The way for Seattle to win this game is to kind of force Jimmy into longer down distances. I know that's the way to beat most teams, but You mentioned it, Brian. He's not great on third and long situations. Last game, all the game where like the media was like raving about Jimmy G because of those third and 16s. Before that, he was playing terribly. And one of those third and 16s, the corner and safety didn't cover the receiver and he was just wide open in the middle of the field. Like Charlie Whitehurst could have made that throw. So I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. But Jimmy G is prone for mistakes and prone for turnovers. So if you don't want to put the situation where like you're trying to beat the San Fran defense, and hoping they don't win the game. or I know the running game has been up and down, but it, I think the Seahawks' best chance is hoping Jimmy G makes mistakes.
2: I think what's hard about that question for me, though, is separating Jimmy G and Shanahan, Because, yeah. like, I have a lot of respect for Shanahan and his offense. I yep. don't have much respect for Jimmy G. So, if, like, if you're telling me that, like, Shanahan is not scheming guys open and Garoppolo is just having to make plays to make things happen like we have see Russ have to do a lot then yeah i'll take that 10 times out of 10 like hands down right but like overall if we're just talking about their passing attack that makes me a little queasy
1: well i mean to to just point i mean I, i haven't redone the count recently i'm pretty sure that he has jimmy Garoppolo has a turnover whether it's an interception or a fumble that's been recovered by the opponents in 13 out of their 15 games this year like the guy turns the ball over a lot and if you watch his games he's should have more like the seahawks game alone i think there was three interceptions in the last quarter and a half that were dropped right like we had um i know we had one by bobby and one by kj and then there was
3: there was someone in the red zone Ray, that maybe
1: i think let's yeah. trade the ball was like right in his hands yeah so I mean, he will give you chances. And I, I mean, even in the game against the Rams, there was a couple throws that were like horrible. Like they were right to them and they dropped them or they didn't make the play. So maybe maybe he doesn't throw a very catchable ball. Um, there was also, you know, the 49ers receivers dropped a lot of passes against the Seahawks um, in, in that game. But they've managed to win anyway in most cases because they're just that dominant overall. They've been able to make up for his mistakes. And for me when I look at them and, and look at the pattern, I just see the Seahawks are one of two teams that have held the 49ers under 90 yards rushing on the year. two teams. And the other team was the Cardinals. Um, It was the game right after the Seahawks played them and the Cardinals should have won that game. Like, uh, so I just think that, they're a really tough team. I have a ton of respect for the 49ers, a ton more respect for the 49ers team than I do for their fans. Let's be really clear about that. Like (laughs) their fan base is the trashiest trash of the entire league. So just trash. Um, But the team's really good. The coaching staff's really good. Robert Sala is super annoying, but he's good. And Shanahan's a great play caller. And, They've got talent pretty much all over the place and they have depth all over the place. So they're not an easy team to beat, but if you're going to beat them, I think you have to take away that run game. And this is where I say, God damn Al woods, like talk about an injury that no one's going to talk about on the broadcast or not an injury, but a lost player. He's a big deal. Like Brian Monet did not do a good job of (laughs) trying to replace Al woods against Arizona and alwood's let down his team like there was no reason he had to do what he did and uh him being out with with ped for four games now three more games that that honestly i'm not i mean it's, it's hyperbole but i mean that could be the difference i mean it could be so i'm curious uh of the 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 niners players on offense other than jimmy garoppolo which one do you guys have the most concern about the seahawks trying to stop
0: it's that uh and i apologize if you guys mentioned him when i briefly left but it's rashima what's his last name moster moster Moster. uh he's been the hot hand for them as of recently ever since like week 11 or 12 um Shanahan's been basically giving him the most carries. I think he's at like 750 yards, five touchdowns for the season. Um, he's an explosive player. He really is. I think he's helped get this San Francisco running game to a uh, a top six running game per pro football focus. They're ranked six overall um, behind the Raiders, Texans, Cowboys, Browns, and Ravens. But he is, I think, one of their most explosive playmakers on offense. Obviously Kittle's a big deal, but uh, Mostert is an explosive player. And if you're not careful, if the Seahawks run defense does not come to play, he will shred us on the ground and it will be embarrassing.
1: Nathan, you seem to have a have a opinion about that take.
2: I... M- Mostert is a running back. As we all know. <laughs> Running backs don't matter. So I wouldn't agree with that. I think.
0: But you can't say I, 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 that though, because like their running game is like the focal point of their offense. Like it's, it's better than their passing offense. Is it not? Yeah, but
2: they have like three running backs who have all played well this year. Like, I don't think Moster is any scarier than any other part of the Russian attack. And a lot of that is how they scheme it and how they block it. Uh, so, uh, most, most of them me. I mean, it's George Kittle, like, he is clearly the best player, maybe on that whole team, right, and he was a guy that they didn't see last time, and that was a game that, it was on the road, but they still had to go to overtime, they had to have a missed kick in overtime to be able to get the chance to win it, so, like, I mean, the thing that makes me the most nervous is definitely Kittle, and, uh, I, I know, I know that not everyone here is a big fan of Kittle, uh, but... Like, dude's, dude's legit. He's really, really, really good. Um, PFF had that article or whatever about how, like, he's breaking their grading system, which is something they say every so often. Like, they had that art- the same article written about J.J. Watt a while ago. But, like, J.J. Watt's real good. So uh, they there might be something there. So uh, it's-, it's Kittle easily, at least for me.
1: I- I'm like, I get it. I- well, maybe I don't. Like, I've I watched a bunch of their games and i've watched him play i get like i think he's a really good blocker that's clear although he got beat for a lot of sacks in this last game against the rams and of course the way that they show the the game they show plays where he's blocking really well to to build up that narrative but they don't show the next play where he gives up a sack and if you look at his pass blocking grades in pro football focus from this past week they were like 14 like it was not good like he was getting beat like a drum and pass blocking but that aside i think he's a very good blocker I mean, and then he's trying to tackle, but like the guy's catching like five six yard passes and then running and not getting tackled very well like the the pass against the the saints that won that game was like a five yard pass and then he ran like 50 yards because there was no one near him and he broke a bunch of tackles like it's not that that's not impressive But this is not like Jimmy Graham in his prime was running 20 yards downfield and running by guys and was like unstoppable. I don't see that from George Kittle. I see like a safety blanket for Jimmy Garoppolo when he is struggling and and getting concerned. He looks for that guy. And so, yeah, he's he's definitely I mean, even in these last games, he had like 10 or 12 catches and like 100 or something yards or whatever, you know, in some of these games. But he was not the guy that was killing him. Ultimately it was, it was other players that were, were making big plays.
0: I think you're being a little bit critical for the second best tight end in the NFC West.
1: <laughs> oh
3: God.
2: <laughs> don't I, you think? This. I <laughs> this might is be more than a little crazy. Like the dude caught for 1300 yards last year, but you're telling like, and like, Oh, I don't know what's so impressive. He's just really frat fast and breaks a ton of tackles. I don't get it. Like, I don't know. That seems good. I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take a guy that is uh, crazy fast and breaks tackles.
3: Against a team that can't tackle all season?
2: Yeah, that might be a problem. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: look, I-, I think that just about everybody has been a threat against the Seahawks' defense. So I don't think him doing well against the Seahawks' defense is-, is like a proof point of something. But Was um, that the question, though? No, I, well, you just had said that against a team that's had trouble tackling. I just think, um, I'm telling you what I've seen. Like he, he like I, I get it. I get it that I'm the the one person that's not super impressed with him as a receiver as like a game-breaking dominant player. He just isn't to me. That, that's not what I've seen in the games. Like he, he is a focal point. He gets the pass the ball a lot, but as a, he, i don't think he's super fast that's not what I see when he has the ball I see him um, I see him breaking tackles that's what I see from him like
2: but that's really good and also he is fast like he tested really well uh, he runs by people a lot uh, I, I i I don't know like that's a really bizarre thing thing to say like i don't know this this is the reality this is the reality
0: this is the reality nathan george kittle is a good tight end we just hate him he's extremely obnoxious he's maybe the most hateable 49er i really believe that i can't stand his haircut it drives me insane have you seen the videos he takes on the sports center camera screaming you know Bang bang niner gang, man, man, whatever. He's so annoying. I can't That's a handle great him.
3: Who's the most Robert hateable Kittle. 49er?
0: It's easily, it's easily George Kittle. It's not That's even a great close. question.
3: Before
1: everyone hated Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh and Kaepernick were pretty hateable,
0: and this was, yeah, not I critical. hated Kaepernick.
1: that. Was just like he was, he was hateable because he took pictures of himself in front of his new car, kissing his bicep, and you know, he was just obnoxious. Um. Nick Bosa's is pretty hateable.
3: But
2: then Harbaugh left, and everybody loved Harbaugh, and Sherman was here, and we all loved him. And then he left, and then we decided he was a jerk. Like,
1: no, I, I, I do know. I never I, changed my mind on Sherman. I, I, I think the Seahawks made this no, no, and incredibly I didn't either, stupid but mistake. Like a lot
2: of people did. Yeah, a lot of people did. Though, I think if Kittle was a Seahawk, we would all say that he was amazing and lovable and all this stuff. Absolutely, like, you know, absolutely. Just,
0: no, Nathan, that's absolutely yeah. the truth. But the reality is, is we're okay. Seahawks fans, and he's a 49er. So we are justified in our hate.
2: And by the way, uh, it's super easy to pick who the most hateable Niner is. It's
0: Nick Bosa. Yeah. Oh, that's several a, miles. I forgot about so. Nick Bosa, so I apologize on that one.
3: <laughs> that's who I would have said.
0: He is a, he's a fun one, to put it lightly.
1: Uh, I, I, Jimmy, Jimmy G's up there for me. I find him pretty freaking obnoxious. I mean, Jimmy, George, and Nick, the three of them together are uh, pretty unlikable. Well, let me what ask you. Guys, Robert Saleh. Oh, well, he's the most, yeah. He's up there in just obnoxiousness. But let me ask you if, if there was one change, if Richard Sherman was on the Seahawks instead of on the 49ers, how, how different would you feel about this game?
0: Just one change. For me, massively. I mean, Go yeah. ahead, Nathan.
2: Oh, I was going to say, assuming he's healthy, uh, yeah, same thing. It would be a massive swing for me. <sighs>
0: I'll tell you why. I don't, I don't think that 49ers defense is anything close to what it is this year without Richard Sherman. And I know that sounds obvious because he's been – like an All-Pro cornerback this year, but from like an emotional, veteran, psychological influence on that locker room, he's a massive deal to that defense. He brings obviously a grit, a tenaciousness that most NFL players don't have. Uh, Richard Sherman is a lion out for blood. That's the type of football he plays. So, I, I, I to answer your question, Brian, I think it would completely change my confidence going into this game.
3: Yeah. And to build on that, the Seahawks are kind of the opposite of that now. They have like no swagger on defense at all. They they don't play with any confidence. Like they take pictures, they do the group picture thing, but so does everyone else. But Sherman's personality is almost exactly what this team kind of locks right now. I think that was one of the reasons they let him go, but I think that was a big miscalculation on their part. They really don't have that.
0: Oh, so that's a good question, actually. In hindsight, do you guys think cutting Richard Sherman was the correct move? Like if you could rewind time, knowing how the past two years have gone, would you have cut him as general manager still?
1: I, was, I came out against it the moment it happened. So I, I, there's nothing that's changed from my perspective. I thought it was a really, really bad move when they made it. They didn't need to from a cap perspective. They did not have a replacement for him, um, you know, on the, on the team. I think he was their best secondary coach (laughs) um, uh, in that in that room, you know, uh, other than maybe Pete, but but I don't think Pete really is out there teaching the way Richard was for for young players. And I think at that time, I mean, I wrote about it. I thought he was going to be a top corner for another four or five years, potentially. And there was no reason other than ego and they couldn't figure out a way to handle his you know, spouting off anymore. That was the only, and the fact that they basically were betting against his Achilles.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, the, the, the tricky thing there is that if they kept him, he would have been a free agent coming into this year. I don't know if there's any way they could have kept him as a free agent. I think he would have, I think he would have left. So they really, they cut him in the last year of his deal. And I think, I think the Seahawks over, like last year when all that stuff came out about him and Russell, I kind of understood it. But definitely now, in hindsight, I think it was a huge mistake.
0: Wow, Nathan, do you disagree?
2: No, I mean, I, I think the rumor was that when he he took the contract that he signed with the Niners back to Seattle, and gave them the opportunity to, to match it. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but that was the rumor. And I think Sherman. So especially said if we're that. looking at it that. Yeah, I think he may have. And now who knows if that's true or not. But if we're talking about that contract he's on right now where like they could have cut him and then signed him to that deal, which is paying him well now, but it's because he's really good. Um, Yeah, I think there's no doubt that Seattle should have should have matched that.
1: There are some people that are saying that the Earl decision was worse than Sherm. I think that's completely incorrect. I don't think Earl was even that good this year. I think he was a good starter. I think Sherman is one of the best corners in the game this year. I don't think you can say that about Earl at safety. I
0: don't I don't know if that's accurate, Brian. I, I thought the same, but I was looking up safety grades on Pro Football Focus, and I'm just pulling it up right now to see where Earl landed. I thought he was top 10. Oh, God. He's 23 of all yeah. safeties. Wow. That's lower than I thought. And and I, I don't know. Like, I have not seen it
1: from him this year. Like he has not been the dominant player. Sherman's Sherman's a game changer. Like he takes away an entire part of the field. So, I mean, we don't want to spend the whole time over spilt milk here, but he came back last week after a hamstring strain that was supposed to keep him out, you know, even a few more weeks. He seemed to play okay, but I don't know about you guys, he missed a few tackles. He did not look as fluid as he often does. It's another week of healing, so he should be a little bit better, but it's it's gonna be, you know, that, that's an issue. Like, the, you, you've got a guy with a hamstring issue that probably maybe shouldn't be playing, um, and he tends to tough things out. That's how he got his Achilles injury in the first place. So, I mean, that, that could be a factor. Um, and I, th- I think th- I think you might see the Seahawks push him a little bit on that. So let's talk for a second. I mean, wh- what, are, what are the matchups? What is the strategy that you guys look at and you say, okay, close your eyes. And you imagine what a Seahawks victory looks like. What has to go right. What are some things that, that you, you think the Seahawks can do or need to do in order to win this game? Nathan, I want to start with you.
2: I think everything has to go right. Um, I don't know that there's really anywhere, you know, other than quarterback where this team is better than the Niners. Uh, so, and then, the, yeah, I, I really don't know what, like, the thing that they do, like, there's nothing, I, I don't think there's anything that they're going to exploit. They're not going to find a shortcut. There's not going to be this thing that we talk about, you know, next week where we're like, oh, this one cool trick to beat the Niners. I, I don't think anything that, like that's gonna happen. They just have to show up and be their best selves. They need Russ to play as good as he's played all year, right? At that top notch level, that MVP level that we saw him. We we need the offensive line, whoever is there, to play well and give him, you know, a chance. They don't need to play perfect but they need to play a hell of a lot better than they've been playing and the defense is the same way right some of that's about getting healthy and then some of it's just about playing better but um they really need kind of a best case scenario from all facets of their game to to win this i think
1: i'll i'll tell you what i what i think like the number one thing i think that needs to happen that i also believe is realistic they need that defensive line, the Seahawks defensive line, to play a great game. They need, they need Jaron Reed to play the way he played in the first game. They need Puna Ford to play the way he played. I'm not even saying play their best game, but play the way they played in that first game against – honestly, without Weston Richburg, they've got a backup center in there now. They've got Mike Pershing at guard who's playing injured or may not play. Um, You need – uh potentially Jadavian Clowney, I don't think it's realistic to ask him to do what he did in that first game, but I think you do need him to be a player that makes some impact plays at the very least requires a double team, like requires them to pay attention to him. And then maybe the least likely of those things, you need the other defensive end, whether it's Rashim green, Ziggy Yansa, Shaquem Griffin, you need one of those three guys to also play a good game. Like you need the defensive line to play well. I think that's the most important thing. And I, you know, I don't think it's totally unrealistic that 49ers offensive line is not that good. Like it has given up a ton of pressure and they are, I think 23rd or something in the NFL over the last, since, since week 10, in terms of, of sack rate, like they're not, they've been, they've been giving up a lot of pressure to a lot of different teams. So I think if you can get pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo, the way Evan said, as soon as you get pressure on that guy, he starts dancing around, he sees ghosts, he throws really crappy passes, you get turnovers, and that can cover up for not having a Quandre Diggs. Like, even the interception Quandre Diggs had in that game, even Leno Hill could have made that interception. It dropped right into his hands. So that's the thing I think needs to happen for, for this team to have a chance. It got to have that defensive line, slow down the run game and get pressure.
2: I mean, I think, I think there might be more to it though than even just that. Like, even if all those guys play well and like, nobody just goes off the way that Clowney went off the last time they played, um, you know, talking about George Kittle and excelling at taking short things and running with the ball. Right. Like, if they can't cover up, even if they're getting pressure, you know, if Garoppolo can, can dump off to guys like monster, who is, you know, a playmaker Sanders Kittle, you know, is Sanders playing actually he's, he's yes. healthy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, you know, they have enough guys where even if your front four is getting pressure or playing well, you know, they've got guys that can be damaged the ball in their hand. And so, I don't know that it's just, I think that you're probably right. Like getting pressure on Garoppolo is going to be the biggest deal, but I don't know if that's just about those front four guys because they have enough guys that can get the ball
1: quick and do damage. Let me push on that a little bit, right? Like go back to that first game. As far as I was concerned, the play of the defensive line of the Seahawks was the reason that they won that game more than anything else. I mean, it, it stopped the run. It, totally disrupted their passing game. The 49ers were like unable to sustain their offense until that fumble from Russell. And then from Jermaine, Fetty that 49ers had 10 points like in the third, late in the third quarter, like they were, they were being really held down and the turnovers that were being created led directly to a touchdown return by Clowney led directly to a lot of chances for the offense to have short field. The Seahawks offense didn't score until the third quarter in that game. And they did it with short field based off of turnovers from Jimmy Garoppolo multiple times. So I, I just think like they had a lot of those guys you're talking about in that game and those options for, for short passes and those things, but Garoppolo doesn't play well. He makes bad decisions when, when he's under pressure. And the, the 49ers struggle when they have to play from behind the sticks. If they're not getting seven yards on first down or, or running the ball really well, I think they struggle more.
2: They didn't have those guys though sanders got hurt early he got hurt in the first half kittle without the whole game right those two so guys two guys there and 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 i mean those are two big parts right like yep. um and, and Clowney didn't just play good right like i don't remember who it was but there was somebody that was saying it was like the best defensive line performance that they'd ever seen right and like stuff so, like which was probably a little hyperbole but like the point is, like, he played, like, otherworldly well, right? And so, yeah, if you get that same performance from Clowney, then then it, it may just be that he can almost single-handedly win you the game, right? But with them being a little bit more healthy and, you know, I, I just don't think just a good performance across the line is actually going to be enough to to tip the scales.
1: I do want to take a second to thank uh, Zorn 76 and chat for a wonderful donation, uh, $20 uh, to the show. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, for folks that haven't already, um, you know, really appreciate your donations. We have already crossed our 10,000 mark for donations for the season. That's going to go to Ben's fund. And I think we're hopefully on track to get to the 20,000 mark in terms of donations we'll make this year. So, Really appreciate all the different support we've got from the show. Super chat, patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Um, all that stuff is great. Liking the show, um, sharing the show, all those things help drive um, drive donations and help us grow the show more um, and do more things with it and create more content for all of you. So thank you and uh, thanks to, to Zorn76. Seems like a, a longtime Seahawk fan. Despite the fact that most people think that Seahawks fans only started a few years ago. Um, One of the great fallacies actually, um, what is actually true is people only started paying attention to the Seahawks a few years ago. And all of a sudden now they're like paying attention to Seahawks fans. So uh, there have been many of us around for a long time and it's why the kingdom actually sold out all the time. And it's why they created rules against stadiums making too much noise in the 80s and 90s um, and calling penalties on the crowd for being too loud so off that rant for a second but seahawks (laughs) fans have been great for a long time um unlike certain fan bases that when their team's losing end up disappearing and yet call themselves the faithful
0: and Um, then come up with stupid phrases like bang bang niner gang (laughs) god (laughs) so bad Brian,
2: can you You remind me has has a Seahawks owner ever had to put an apology up on the Jumbotron at the end of a game or in the middle of a game? <laughs> Has that ever happened? Oh, what was that? I don't remember yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What was that was Thanksgiving, wasn't it? I think it was a Thanksgiving game, yeah, where York uh, – and it was probably – uh who is their janitor coach? Oh, Tom Sula. Yeah, I think it was a Tom Sula game, maybe, where York uh, had to put an apology on saying that, you know, this is not – to Niners fans, I, th- with-
0: I think that was Harbaugh.
2: No, I, 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 th- I think Nathan might be right. It's, it's funnier to say it was Harbaugh, and it, it, I, it, I don't think it was, but it might have been. But anyways, the point is, the Niners have been so embarrassing that their own own owner has a, had to uh, apologize to the stadium.
1: Has Pete Carroll ever audibly? Passed gas
2: in a press conference the way Tom Sula did. Let's not uh, maybe get into all the things that Pete may or may not have done. <laughs> that one maybe isn't one we can do. Yeah. Let's stick to owners.
1: It's not the best time. It's not the best time.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. But it's um,
3: worse than the concussion game.
1: Yeah. And I, yeah, there's been, there's definitely been fewer stabbings and people beat up in, uh, in bathrooms. <laughs> uh, well, the bang, bang, Niner gang. Bang, bang, that. Niner gang may be a little bit too accurate. So, <laughs> um (laughs) so uh what are we missing guys i mean i i just i brought up that i thought i thought that the defensive line for the seahawks playing well is is probably the biggest factor in potentially um you know having the seahawks win this game what about russell wilson what about the run game what about other pieces jeff like what what is the thing that you believe what one what do you think is the thing that's most important for the Seahawks to be able to win this game? And two, what do you think is the most realistic thing that could happen that could help the Seahawks win this game?
3: Well, the most important by far is Russell Wilson. And Russell has been – was the reason this team really was in position for a buy and really in position for a Super Bowl run. But in the last – stretch of games and i ben baldwin tweet tweeted up his epa numbers in the second half of the year a chart of his whole season and you can see just a major dip that kind of correlated with justin Britt going up and since then they've been a different offense and they haven't been the dominant pass team and tyler Lockett went out and they've they've just and the arizona game they just look like a team that's kind of lost themselves so to answer your question earlier brian and what i want to see i kind of want to call out brian schoenheimer not call him out, but he's a guy who needs to step up in this game. And they really need to make an adjustment on what they're going to do on offense and what they're going to do. Well, they're, they're signing a running back off the street, essentially two of them. Their offensive line is in shambles. So if they're going to come out and try to do all these deep drops against this defensive line, they're not going to win that way because you saw what Chandler Jones could do to this offense last week. And now you add Buckner and Armstead who have been dominant interior players against Joey Hunt and a bunch of injured guards. If they're going to try to win that way, they got no shot because Russell's going to not be able to make plays. In the Arizona game, Russell had no chance. Those plays were getting busted before they even started. So Schottenheimer needs to go back to the drawing board. He, his head coaching stuff has kind of cooled off. All the guys are talking about how good shot he's been. That's kind of gone away lately because, frankly, the offense has been pretty bad lately other than the Carolina game. And they need to kind of make a quick adjustment of what they can do well, and maybe that's the quick passing game we saw earlier. Maybe that's more play action on early downs and stop running so much on early downs. And they need to kind of catch San Francisco off guard and kind of play play them at their heels, more play action rollouts. McVay did some really good work early in the game, rolling Jared Goff out mm-hmm. before he threw that terrible pick six right in Fred Warner's hands. They were working pretty well. So they need to make a pretty big adjustment. And if Russell doesn't play a really, really good game, I find it
1: really hard for them to win random question for you guys who would you feel better about as offensive coordinator heading into this game daryl bevel or brian schottenheimer i
0: think it's bevel for me
1: i'm the same
2: i'm going bevel too because there's that weird stuff now about like how teams figure out shoddy the second time Mm -hmm. around I don't know how much I buy into that. Like, it's pretty small sample size at this point. Uh, But, yeah, I guess I'll go Bevel because, I don't know, what is shoddy? I I don't know. I'm still not a big shoddy believer.
3: Jeff, I totally agree with all of you. I thought Bevel was really hamstrung by trying to deal with the Tom Cable stuff and who coaches the run game, who calls the plays, who only calls the pass plays. Bevel's scheme was a little basic not as Shoddy does some better stuff schematically but i thought bevel was a much better just play caller than Shoddy is
1: yeah i don't don't know how well he's doing in detroit i haven't really looked at it um he's got like
3: some like seven string quarterback it's hard to measure
1: yeah it is it is but i don't know I i thought about that like yesterday and i was just thinking why do i think i'd feel better about bevel and i i think there's just a little bit more inventiveness week to week with what I saw from Bevel and Schottenheimer seems, he seems like in a little bit of a rut. Like he seems like he's, he's has not figured out like a changeup to, you know, what he's been doing. And it feels like it's been a few weeks and we've talked about it. Russell's had six weeks of not being great after starting the season, the best player in the NFL, um, or at least in that conversation what's the for you guys what is the number one thing holding russell back is it him is it the play calling offensive line i'll give you i'll give you two answers give me like a blame pie percentage like what percentage is russell on russell's shoulders offensive line play calling let's at least go with those you can call it something else if you want
0: i'll i'll start with my blame pie i'd say 40 percent no i'll say i'll go even higher i'll say 75% uh, pass protection. Pat, I'm not even kidding. 75% pass protection? I just remembered that they're 31st in pass pro. They're 31st. Lamar Jackson has the best pass protecting line in the NFL. And he is the MVP front runner. He was the guy everybody was debating with between Russell Wilson. Russell is working with a – horrible offensive line. It is I, – I truly believe if 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 they were even, like, a middle-of-the-road, like, pass-blocking unit, they'd make shoddy look a lot, lot better. So I'd say 20, 75% pass-blocking, 20% shoddy, 5% Russell taking really dumb sacks.
2: We can't be back here. I don't want to be back here where we're just saying, Could you imagine if we just had, like, a middle-of-the-road offensive line? I don't – we – it's been, like, almost a decade of, like, but just imagine.
0: Oh, oh buddy, I'm going to pull up some stats. Keep talking. No, I mean, uh, you're not wrong.
2: You're not wrong. But, like, I'm just – I just I, – I, there are only so many more times I can hear that phrase in my life without going literally insane. And okay. I'm getting okay. really close to it, I think.
0: Ru- are you ready for this? I'm sorry. I have to pull this stat No, I'm not ready. My... I'm not
2: ready at all. Ready Even for this? a little. No.
0: Russell Wilson's offensive lines in pass pro throughout his career. And I'll list them off 2012, 19th. 2013, 30th. 2014, 24th. 2015, 30th. 2016, 32nd. 2017, 30th. 2018, 18th. 2019,
2: 31st. You know what it means. Fire John Schneider. Can't protect the
0: um, most valuable
2: asset. Can't no, protect. This, on, a asset.
0: Serious, on a serious note, you and I both know this organization prioritizes run b- blocking over pass protection. And it's a fatal flaw. And it is what it is.
3: Yeah, I don't think that's a storyline that's been talked about enough this year. Coming into the year, we would have all said offensive line's probably one of the areas you were most comfortable. They kind of st- you said 18th last year. That was a big step forward for them. They had all the continuity people wanted, and they changed a couple guys. They got a you know, potty to Sweezy, and to go back to 31st, that's a huge setback. And yeah, Evan, they haven't been able to emphasize pass pro the whole time Pete's been here. And I think that's a Pete issue. I think that's a John issue. And I don't, I, a lot of people are blaming Solari. They, their whole offensive line is run blockers. Like, they can't just magically teach these guys how to pass protect. Whoa,
1: yeah. whoa. Solari Solari has a huge role to play in what players get picked for him to coach. So I don't they think really change can, anyone. it's all Tom Cable and then it's nothing to do with Mike Solari. Like, that can't <laughs> be how it works. So are we know.
0: ready to talk about, like, firing Mike Solari? But,
1: uh, no, I mean, look, this, this is more of, a, this is more of not, a conversation for the future, like, but... There's no doubt that the Seahawks are have been prioritizing the wrong thing on their offensive line. No doubt. I, I think anybody argues otherwise. The best argument I could make is, you know, zig when everyone else is zagging, get the good run blockers while everyone's going for pass blockers and <laughs> no. maybe get cheap players for doing that. I mean, that's the best argument I could come up with, but um, it's not good. And so I definitely agree we go on and on about that. And I think that's a serious issue and we can figure out if there's any real reason for hope that that'll change. But there's also a great misnomer in the fan base about that the offensive lines, the reason for all the sacks and like you spout off a bunch of stats and sacks are primarily a quarterback stat and fans will never fully get that. But Part of it, it absolutely is on whether it's the center, the offensive line coach, the, the play caller, or Russell Wilson, not getting the protections properly, not identifying hot, not giving Russ hot routes, whatever. There's a million other ways to not get sacks um, than just having a better offensive line. So, uh, you know, I do think that that's a part to play. My blame pie for the way, reason Russell's been playing the way he has is, like, I would say... I would say like 60% play calling, Um, you know, 20% offensive line, maybe 30% offensive line and like 10%. Russell, like, I don't know. I, 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 maybe it's a little bit more than 10%, but I just, Russell hasn't looked like himself. Even when he's had protection, Russell's like missed some guy like in the Philadelphia, not the Philadelphia game, but there's other games where he's missed guys that were wide open like in plays that he usually makes like downfield throws. So, I mean, I think we all get in this little bit of a trope and a rut of just assuming it's everything else, but I don't think if you went back and you looked at all the plays where Russell had protection that he's been his best the last six weeks. And I don't know why, like, I don't know why, like when he's been protected and he's had guys open, he's not hitting them with the same regularity that he he was before. So I, I, th- I think it's a mistake to say that it's all everything else. I-, I blame most of it on the play calling. Cause I just, I feel like shoddy, hasn't been putting him in position to, to get a lot of consistent plays um, completed. And I don't know why they don't do more shot short, quick passes. We talked about that a bunch, but I, I feel like that would help. Um, Jeff, where are yeah, you? you? Rank, uh, the playmakers. Yeah, that was something that people br- brought up is, is the receivers and whether, you know, that was part of it as well. I mean, Tyler Lockett being injured, that's certainly a part of it, right? We, we started talking about it a few weeks ago. Um, his injury was a big deal. So yeah, I would, I would put that like re reshuffle. I'd probably put that at a bigger factor than, than even Russell himself. How about you, Jeff?
3: Um, I I, I closer to what you were saying, Brian. I think that really the Arizona game was really the one area where, like, I'd say like that offensive struggle was like ninety five percent offensive line issues. Yeah, agreed. But if you look at the other games, the pass protection has been bad, obviously. But I don't think that's like the only reason they're struggling. I don't think the coaches have identified kind of a answer to what what teams have stopped these guys they don't really have they haven't really been able to fall back on anything and i think they keep trying to go back to these deep drops and obvious play action calls
0: i i was just gonna jump in real quick and say jeff like there's ways to get around exactly like really bad pass protection like there's there's things they can do they can artificially move the pocket they can go back to a quick passing game they can use Uh, you know chip blocks they could carry an extra man on the line like there's things they can do and they're just not doing them the big question to me is the quick passing game like you said they are running these really long developing plays and Russell just does not have the chance for a receiver to even run his route and it yeah I mean pass protection is a huge issue but I mean, the coaches can do things to – I guess my point is the coaches can do things to mitigate that issue.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, just a just, just point on that, since week 10, so including the 49ers game, that's that's like, what, six, the six games or something like that? The 49ers ranked 24th in the NFL in sack rate. <laughs> the Seahawks rank 18th in that time. So the Seahawks have actually been better in terms of giving up sacks in that time period. But to your point, Evan and Jeff, what do we talk about? The 49ers offense is what? Short passes, screen plays, like they're able to function with a really bad offensive line from a pass protection standpoint. So there are ways to scheme around it. And that's what's so frustrating. Like if we're able to figure that out, if you can look around the league and say, hey, if the question is when your offensive line is not a great pass protection offensive line, what can you do? The answers aren't that complicated, but yet, you know, they they don't. They don't seem to go after them um and and i think we all assume it's the coaches i think that's the best guess i think that's almost 90 percent the best guess also possible that's not what russell likes to do russell it's like even sometimes he will look at dump passes or guys open short and he will like look past them because he likes the deep play too i mean he and pete are well matched that way they both like chunk plays and he will pass up easy plays to go for bigger ones so you know, generally speaking, we will never end up, you know, as a fan base blaming Russell. It's always easier to blame the, the the coaching staff, but I do think that there's a little bit of shared blame there.
3: And another area in that regard is kind of just like their use of their personnel. Like, I don't know if this is a coaching thing or a Russell thing. Like, I don't know the answer. they like, they keep trying these deep shots to David Moore. Like, that's one yeah. example of this. And clearly you can see the best ability for him is kind of those – that end around and getting the ball with him in space where he's moving up the field. And they keep trying these like one-on-one deep balls. Like that's terrible use of personnel. It's not working. It hasn't really worked all year. it was a thing that worked last year and they're wasting so many times. It's just coming on these like and shorts and it's just, they have to know what their players do. Well, there's stuff that DK does specifically well. And they sometimes they were going to do that slant game with him for a bit. They kind of got away from it. Tyler Lockett, They've kind of got away from what he does. Well, So I think that's an area where you definitely put it on the coaches.
1: Yeah. Evan, you know the answer to this question. What is the Seahawks most successful play and player on first down and 10 this year? Nathan, you seem to know.
2: Uh, Rashad Penny pitch play.
1: Incorrect. Jeff, you care to wager? Most by success rate and how and how often it's it's happened.
2: Oh wait wait wait.
3: Chris Carson run up the middle. Chris Carson nope.
2: <sighs> Evan,
0: Evan, you got it. Oh, say it. Oh no, say oh, it, no. Evan. It's a Malik Turner reception <laughs> with a one hundred percent success rate. <laughs> <laughs> Might
1: not even play this week. I know. So yes, five times Malik Turner has been used on first and ten, and 100 success rate on the season. Um, and he probably will not play this week with a concussion. He's not practiced the last two days. So that is a sneaky big oh, wait, deal, really? guys. Yeah, I know.
3: So I don't want fourth receiver
1: then. John Ursua.
3: Or Jerron Brown, I guess. Ugh. Yeah, we'll probably see a lot of Jerron
2: Brown, I would guess. Oh god, I don't want to feed into this, but uh, I also am a low-key Malik Turner lover, and I think that this losing him is a problem.
0: If Malik Turner is the deciding factor in our Week 17 NFC West on the line Sunday night football matchup against the San Francisco 49ers, we're already fucked
2: at some point you're going to have to accept that he is a quality player and like they've burned through some receivers at this point. Like, you know, Josh Burns not around, Disley's hurt. You know, I mean, you're talking about going back to Geron Brown. Oh man.
1: Well, Hey, Hey, I got some good news for you. Would you care to guess which player is most successful on second and eight to 10 yards this year for the Seahawks? What's the play and who, which player? Pass or run? As the Hollister. Nope. He's already been named.
2: Just going through all of Brian's favorites. He's,
1: been, he's already been named. I'll, I'll cut the chase. Jerron Brown <laughs> with three catches for 100% success rate. <laughs> so look, oh. we got everything we need, fellas. Oh, man. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, <laughs> It's tough. Um, you know, look, I know we're, we're, we're getting late in the pod here. Uh, how, how are you guys feeling about outcome? You know, Evan, let's start with you. Where are you at in this game?
0: Yeah, I've talked myself into a win. Um, ever since my pit of depression following that football game that never happened last Sunday, I've talked myself into a win. I don't know what's going to happen beyond Sunday night but the stakes are high the NFC West title is on you know it is up for play uh and this is just classic Seahawks we're a circus and you know part of part of me as a fan this year is learning to just accept the circus how's that for an emotional reflection on real hog talk accept the circus because we're a circus and it's going to be wild
1: you have a score you pick?
0: 30 27. All right. Nathan?
2: Uh, Evan, I just want to confirm. Uh, do you think the Seahawks are a circus?
0: <laughs> the Seahawks are a circus. And guess what? The Seahawks are going to win on a Jason Myers field goal. Last drive of oh, the okay. game. Again? I thought
2: you were going to predict like a DK Metcalf circus catch or something. No?
0: Nope. Nope. Jason Myers, the elite stud kicker that he's been all year for the Seattle Seahawks, is going to nail it for us.
2: Right. He's making like 80% of his extra points, but sure. All right, um, Nathan. <laughs> uh, it's actually really funny. If you go back and look at Jason Myers' numbers, they're oddly in line with like his career numbers. Who would have uh, guessed that? Um, <laughs> as excited but, but, as I am... but. but. Who's got the better kicker in this game? Uh, I don't know. Who does? Well, if
1: you determine it based off of percentage of field goals made and number of 50-yard-plus field goals made um, on the season, the Seahawks, by a long stretch, have the better kicker in this game. Jason Myers is 15th in the NFL in field goal percentage.
0: Robbie Gold
1: (laughs) is 24th in the NFL. He is really bad and has not made a kick over 50 yards. And the weather's going to be bad Sunday, it's looking like.
2: That's cool. As that uh, make um, you feel,
1: Nathan, we got the better kicker.
2: Clear advantage. I feel great. There's our advantage. That's our one spot where we're better than the Niners. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, as excited as I am uh, about the Marshawn thing, uh, I don't think they win this game. Uh, I think it's 26-20 Niners.
1: Jeff.
3: I was hoping you guys could convince me coming into the show to be more optimistic, but the last 10 minutes did not help. The fact that Evan was holding his hand over his head for like that entire segment is kind of how I feel going into this game. So I'm going to pick the Niners. I hope I'm wrong, but at the end, even if they lose, I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, You get a pretty good playoff matchup the following week, and you might end up playing the Niners again in the second round if you win that game. So it's not like a season ending mistake now that the, the buys come kind of out the window. If the buy was on the line, I'd be so much more nervous for this game. But the fact that they're just going to be a three seed at home, it's not that big of a difference to me. So I'm going to take the Niners winning about, let's say, 24 16. But I hope I'm wrong. I hope Russell gets back to what he was doing earlier. And I'm excited to see Marshawn and super excited that Clowney's coming back. Clowney's quotes were pretty exciting today and that was another reason i was actually pretty optimistic he seems really pumped up for this game so i hope i'm wrong i hope that we defy logic again but this whole season's been defying logic so why not continue it
1: yeah well the analytical side of my brain looking at this game uh, looks at it a bunch of different ways and you, you run it you run the scenarios and there's there's a hundred different ways for the 49ers to win this game. They have so many advantages in so many places and the Seahawks are so deplete, depleted in so many ways. And yet um, you've got a, a Seahawks team that does seem to get up for these games. And you, I, I think this is their Alamo now, granted, the Alamo didn't turn out so well. Um, but, but I, I do feel like this is their this is their final stand. I actually don't think any game after this matters. Um, we'll get into that maybe in the pod
2: afterwards. <laughs> Another no, they're all playoff games. They're all playoff games after this. They all matter
1: so much. I, I We'll get into that then. I will just say, I think that they're going to give their all in this game. I think this is their Super Bowl. And I think this is going to be one of those five out of 100 that the Seahawks find a way to do it. Um, and so I'm going to say the Seahawks, uh, win this game 28 to 17, um, and a pretty shocking outcome. And, uh, wouldn't it be amazing if not only if the Seahawks won, but it was one of their only wins by more than a single score all season, that would be crazy. So, um, I'm going to go with that as a prediction. Um, we will certainly see uh, what the, what the final outcome is. Anything, any closing statements, closing comments you have from you guys before we wrap.
0: Yes. Yeah, Evan,
2: I have a... oh, Sorry, go ahead. Evan.
0: Go ahead. Oh, oh, I was just going to say bang, bang, nine or lame.
2: <laughs> Evan, uh, do you want to make a bet? If Jason Meyer wins on a, a last second field goal, do you think Brian will be there to see it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I had to think about that one for a second.
2: <laughs> you want to put anything on the line on that one? You want to bet anything?
0: Yeah. I'll. I'll which, way, uh, which way do you
2: think? What yes are you no? basing are you this on, Nathan?
1: I have never missed a single <laughs> Seahawks
2: victory. Ever.
0: Uh-huh. uh-huh. That's right. right. We'll
2: a- settle it in the group chat. We'll figure it
0: <laughs> out. Brian is... <laughs>
1: Okay. Well, people should know there is a bet that is on if and when the Seahawks win, we are going to fly Jeff Simmons out for uh, Matador nachos the following week. So there's a lot riding on this game. I would say more than the division title. Um, There's nachos uh, to be had. So
3: just be aware. I'll end on this. I'll end on this. Robert Saleh, shut your damn mouth. You were on the verge of being fired. You were every Niner fan hated you, and then all of a sudden you got this influx of talent, and now you're this like head coaching candidate.
1: Just shut up. All right, <laughs> Jeff. Jeff with the the hot take to finish us up, and uh, Robert Sala is going to be doing some some extra push uh, getting ready to, to meet you next week, Jeff. So, <laughs> all right, everybody. Uh, thank you all for joining. If you haven't already, please join up at patreon.com slash subscribe on YouTube, check out rain city series. Last video he posted up there, uh, the chosen one, uh, an ode to Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and keep an eye out there are going to potentially be more. So uh, <laughs> please uh, check out for more videos coming and uh, enjoy uh, the, the lead up to what's going to be fun. Honestly, I'll just say have fun, guys. Like you don't get these chances very often. This is a great game to, to build up for. It is us against every odd. And like the realities are are, the probabilities are not in our favor. So have fun. And make sure you talk trash before the game because you may not have the chance to do it after the game. (laughs) All right. Go Seahawks. Cheers.